From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we talk a tough end for the Cavs and a long weekend for the Guardians, the start of the NBA playoffs and the USFL. And, of course, we celebrate Easter. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Danko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Happy Easter. Thanks, Money. Bunny House Helper Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. Happy Easter. What's this job about? You're helping out Easter Bunny actors at like the mall. Uh, for this opportunity, oh. you must have a happy, cheerful attitude, the ability to make kids smile, and two yeah. years of experience in the what? position. How do you get that experience? <laughs> Need a side hustle and already have two years experience being creepy? Find your future at Indeed.com. Oh, man. <laughs> Get ready for your mall job, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start Sam's, I'm out. in the land, at home, sip of wine and gold, our final edition of the season. Cavs lose two straight playing games, one that seemed inevitable and one that seemed avoidable. Regardless, this surprising, exciting, fun Cavs season comes to a close in disappointing fashion. They lost 107-101 to the Hawks in the land on Friday night. And let's just say this. It didn't seem like it was J.B. Bickerstaff's best night. So allow me to Monday morning quarterback our head coach for the Cavs a little bit. Tell me if I'm on something or on to something. There should have been more Kevin Love. He only played 10 minutes against the Hawks. I think you're on to something. Our entire bench was absent for that game. I think they amassed nine points, and that's not Cavaliers-like. And, you know, Love was out there for half the time he's normally been playing. So, yeah, I think you're on to something there. Definitely on to something. I think he had four boards in 10 minutes. That's a guy's a rebound machine, I would assume. I, I question a little bit of all the rotation, not just uh, Kevin Love. So, but, yeah, definitely on to something. They didn't go more than, what, like seven guys deep? They had Six three guys, guys come, deep? Yeah, they had three guys come well, off eight, the bench. So, eight. Yeah, okay, there you go. Love had three, Akuro had six, and Rondo had zero. Those were your point totals off the bench. Yeah. Three, six, and zero. And just strange to me that no Lamar Stevens, a guy who played a ton of minutes the last two or three weeks of the season, never even saw the court. He's another body you could have run at Trey Young, right? Yeah. Another big physical yeah. guy, athletic guy who could guard to some extent Trey Young. But Kevin Love was the one that really sticks out. But I think, Chuck, you're right that it's – it's just strange that the rotation changed so much going into that game. Kevin loves a great starting point because he's the only guy on that roster next to Rondo who has played any meaningful playoff games or right. minutes. Right. You know, he's your he's your leader at that point, and and he's sitting on the bench most of the game. So and it's not like you're getting much from Rondo. I don't see them extending Rondo this offseason. He didn't look like he had a whole lot left. Next one. The lineup should never at any time include Rondo, Levert, and Okoro. At the exact same time. Uh, you're, you're on to something. A lot of it has to do with Rondo. 0 for 3, like you said, to assist the entire game, but minus 18. Uh, that's yeah. never good for a play-in game or a playoff game or a Tuesday <laughs> night game. game. A, yeah. a pickup game. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> on to something there for sure. I think that uh, minus 18 from Rondo is is not negated by Akuro and Karis Levert's offensive output while they're on the floor at the same time. So probably a, a problem there. Over the course of the game, like having lineups like that, I think you could see the impact overall it ended up having on Garland. 
the guy just had to do everything. And I, by the fourth quarter, he looked exhausted to me. He, he missing shots that he normally never misses. Tough offense to set up with those three guys who almost just stopped the ball every time they got it in their hands. Just the offense was really bad, especially in the second half of that game. All right, last wow. one. I had a better chance of slowing down Trey Young than marking it. <laughs> well, I mean, you're on something. <laughs> because I, while I disagree with marking and checking Trey Young for the for what seemed like the entire second half, when you had other other guys out there that may have been able to stick with them a little quick, uh, a little better, I can't imagine you making a lateral move. Period. <laughs> right now, I mean, I just think I, I envision things snapping, you going down in the heap, and being carried off the floor. I'm not going to be as harsh as Phil, but I think you're on something. Markin and uh, had a, a great game offensively, but not defensively. But I, but I, I saw some of the shots that Trey Young's shooting and making. Like, dude, yeah. like, so he's making like two feet inside half court. He's making them from the logo. Like that dude is a killer, and that player doesn't yeah. exist on this Cavs roster. Maybe Garland becomes that guy in two Ooh, years. We're gonna get to it. Me, mind uh, reading, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody is Ding up that dude to your approval, right? After what he did in the second, I mean, looked like horseshit first half, second half. That's why that guy's a great player, man. There's never a moment that's too big for him in his young yeah. career. It's like his third year, right? Third or fourth year. Yeah, he was incredible. But it seems to me there could have been a better defensive plan or there could have been some adjustments. And I don't know enough about how you coach a basketball team to figure out that stuff. But JB's got to find a way after the third time it happens to come up with a plan that has somebody else checking him or gets the ball out of his hands and let any of those other scrubs shoot because nobody else was beating the Cavs. Trey Young was doing it all by himself yeah. for the entire night, basically. JB is a great coach, man. I love what he's done with this team and what he's built, but maybe not his finest night. But Chuck, you've already kind of led us into my next question. During the play-in, I think we saw them play against three unstoppable players, KD, Kyrie, and Trey Young. In a couple of years, is Garland going to be in that class of player? I hope so, but I don't know. It's a different breed. Like, you're talking about top 10 players in the league. I put Trey Young probably as a top 10 player in this league. The difference I see, like, Garland is so likable. Maybe it's because he plays for us. Trey Young, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant have no problem playing the villain. Never. And they almost feed off that, especially Trey Young, man. He feeds yeah. off that. Uh, and I don't know if Garland, I don't know because he's so young. I hope he develops like that mean streak in him that it doesn't matter where he's playing, how hostile an environment it is, or how big of a moment he is. That guy's going to knock down shots when he needs to. And you saw, like you said, Gert, he was spent, man. Uh, he was spent by that fourth quarter. Uh, one for seven from three, nine for 27 for the game. That's because his legs were probably really tired is my guess, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's just not yeah. getting his shots up. I hope he develops into that player because if, if he does, that means we have a top 10 player in the league. I don't know that this Cavs team is being built to allow him or even hopefully going forward, need him to be that player. It's a little bit different in Brooklyn because you've got two of them. So it's not like you've got one guy taking over, right? Like it's, they can ride the hot hand with those two and win games every night. Um, but certainly in Atlanta right now, it's, it's Trey Young is their their assassin, and that's it. You know, um, they've got good players, good complimentary players, but he is, you know, he's that guy that's out there and just gonna just take over a game. So, I, you know, I think Garland is showing us that he that could be his his potential. I mean, he's so young, and his 
improvement from one year to the next has been ridiculous. Like just, yeah. just an amazing improvement in, in, in one off season. So who knows what we'll see next year. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, going into his third year, I just wonder if the team is being built a little differently where they're going to get a lot of guys and be successful. Like we saw this year, get a lot of guys with uh double figure scoring, you know, six and seven guys deep every night. You'll get those Garland nights every now and again, where he'll go off for 30 to 40, but there's going to be just as many wins where they won't even need that out of them. Watching those two playing games. My thought was you have to have one of these guys or a player like this to win playoff series. You just have to have a guy who you can get repeated guaranteed buckets and i think he is going to be that guy someday he's already shown that he's not afraid to take the shots that he's not afraid to go into the lane and hit a big shot or shoot a three when they really really need it you saw it a couple times against the hawks when it worked you saw it a bunch of times against the hawks where it didn't work unfortunately because i think he was just not quite ready for what he was seeing but i think that guy's future is limitless i think he can become a guy who, when you need him to be unstoppable, will. And that's really, really exciting because we obviously, other than LeBron, we've never had that in Cleveland. A hot rod, maybe, but that would be about the only one I can think of. <laughs> uh, we are going to take at some point some time to really deep dive and and talk about the Cavs season as a whole and recap it the way we do the Browns and, and the Guardians. But that is not tonight. We're going to let this wound from the season ending sink in a little bit and maybe let some time pass before we dive back into that. So why don't we go ahead and move on to our Guardians week cap, recapping the week for the Cleveland Guardians Baseball Club. And hey, these guys aren't too shitty. Or are they? Coming off a series split in Kansas City, the guards swept the Reds to hold on to the Ohio Cup, but come home to lose three games to the Giants. They finished the week at four and five, two games out of first, but don't worry, there's 151 games to go. They can make up that lead, I think. The fun mini win streak was, I think, surprisingly fueled by the offense. So let's talk hats for bats. Who's the hottest hitter for the Guardians right now? Owen Miller hitting 500 with two home runs. Wrath of Quan hitting 385 with three extra base hits and eight walks. The professional, Jose Ramirez, 457, three home runs, 15 RBIs already. Or Miles Straw quietly hitting over 300 with eight walks from the leadoff spot. Chuck? Damn it, I didn't want you to come to me first. Still? No, no, it's okay. I'll get there. I think they're they're all wonderful options here. And if you would ask me when we were taping last week, I would have said Wrath of Quan. I, I really think just because I've been so impressed this year after what happened last year, Owen Miller has looked phenomenal. Like, I, I didn't realize that Ramirez has 15 RBIs already. That's pretty great. That's uh, a lot. Yeah, that, that's, that's, a like... lot. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, but I still think Owen Miller, because we, we, we constantly have talked about we need one of these younger dudes. He's going to step up and step in. And I hope he's that dude, man. Um, I'm not saying he's going to hit close to 500 for the rest of the season. That ain't happening. But, you know, he, he showed a little power as well. Um, so, you know, a guy who can play a few different positions. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say it's him. I think it's between Owen Miller and Jose Ramirez for sure. I, I, and, you, and there's no wrong answer amongst those two in over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks. Miller, he's not just hitting singles. He's had, he had three games in the last week with like multiple base hits, a double doubles, a triple, another double in there, those kind of things. Like he's really hitting the ball to all fields too. So I, I think maybe the surprise factor leads me to agree. Like, okay, Owen Miller is the hottest bat right now. But then you look at what J-Ram's doing. That guy, you know, he comes out there and in, in a position where 
you would still think that opponents could kind of pitch around that guy in this lineup because Fran Mill can't even make contact behind him, Yeah, you know, and you don't get to Owen Miller until sixth in the lineup. So you've got, you would think you could pitch around J Ram and the guy is just raking right now. And, and it's all extra base hits and RBIs. I know there were a couple, there was a stretch of three games in there though, where the, the guardians put up 17, 10 and 10. So it was a lot of, a lot of offense within three yeah. games, but even so the, this, uh, this sweep, we just lost to the giants. Jaram was still hitting. I mean, he had he had one or two hits in each of those games. So I give it to Owen Miller because it is such a a surprise from what we thought. It was more like what we hoped we'd see in in this kind of kid, and and we'll see how it continues. I think he got he didn't he wasn't hurt today, was he? he just got the day off. I noticed he wasn't in the lineup, or was it yesterday? I think, I think he just got the day off. I didn't see anything about him being hurt. As rough as this weekend was from for them offensively, all of these numbers I updated this afternoon after today's game ended. So these guys are still hitting the ball. Yeah. And the losses they had this weekend were kind of weird. Like it, it wasn't necessarily just bad offense. There was some defense in there and just missed opportunities. And you know the ball bounces a different direction and they win some of the games this weekend against a really good San Francisco team too. So I'm not... I'm not too down on the fact that they lost those games, but uh, I'm with you guys on Miller. He's another one of those guys that if he can get into the lineup and hit consistently for the season, it just solves so many problems for them and makes that lineup so much more effective on a day-to-day basis. So I think it's exciting that a guy who we heard so much about last year who wasn't ready for the show to come back this year and and to show that maybe he is, that's pretty exciting. But we are going to get plenty of guardians baseball 14 days of guard duty the guardians are not leaving their post for the next two weeks they play every day from now until may 1st now, i think it's tough in any business to work for two straight weeks with a without a day off i'm sure you guys have done it before so what tips do you have for this young guardians team to stay focused on work when they've got a string together so many days without taking a break oh man i i think uh hydrate <laughs> lots of hydration yeah. yeah just hydrate keep hydrating and when you think you've had enough have some more it's a really good one that's why phil's a, a doctor i think when you're this young and you have this many games in a row they don't get too high on highs or too low on lows especially against the teams they're playing in these <laughs> two weeks yeah try to stay even keeled um if you have a great game awesome if you have a shit game there's another one tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and that and that. I always find like if I've got one of those really busy seasons where I'm working a lot and I've got to do like 14 straight days of work, it's really important not to miss your workouts. It helps keep my brain a little bit focused and stuff like that. So just keep getting your regular lifts and runs in guys. So you can just kind of like loosen up, have that alone time, you know, clear your head from, you know, the work you've had going the previous days and the work that's coming the next day. Uh, Next week, White Sox are in Cleveland for four games starting on Monday. Then the Guardians travel to the Big Apple for a three-game weekend series against the Evil Empire starting on Friday night. Which of those teams do you hate the most? Uh, For me, it's the White Sox. You know that I don't really hate the Yankees. Uh, I get a lot of shit for that. Uh, so the White Sox, I'll keep it very short and sweet without you guys beating me up about Yankee stuff. So I'm going to lean towards the White Sox just because it's the interdivision foe. And, you know, they're they're the team that throughout history, at least recent history, like the last 30 years of Cleveland baseball, there's been times when both Cleveland and Chicago were the two good teams and we couldn't quite get past those guys kind of thing so mm-hmm. i i hate them a little bit more the, the yankees while i i have no love for that team it's it's one of those franchises i'm like all right 
you get any win again, they're just buying wins, whatever. <laughs> you know, if we get anything against them, it's fine. And if they beat us, I never really feel too badly about it. I mean, I hate the Yankees, but I really hate the White Sox. Yeah. In our division, you know, I hate the Tigers too, because they spent like a decade beating us up. Uh, so yeah, I hate the White Sox more than I hate the Yankees. Hopefully the Guardians can uh, get back to their winning ways. But on that note, fellas, why don't we take our first break, come back, go out on the road and talk some NBA playoffs. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road and start with the NBA playoffs. More games than April has showers. That's great. Not, <laughs> not, not my best. All right. Eastern Conference playoffs. Here are your first round series. The number one Miami Heat against the number eight Atlanta dumb fucking jerks. Heat rolled in game one, beat Atlanta today. Next, number four, Philadelphia versus number five, Toronto Raptors. 76ers took game one. Tyrese Maxey scored 38. Next, number three, Milwaukee versus the number six, Chicago Bulls. Bucks just a few hours ago won game one of that series. Last one, number two, Boston versus number seven, Brooklyn. They played this afternoon. That was an absolutely awesome game. It was one of the craziest finishes I've ever seen. Boston is up one nothing. So take a look at those four series, and we're going to play interesting, upset, and quick out. Which series do you think is interesting? Which do you think there'll be an upset? And which one is essentially a blowout with one of the teams going out quick? Something like four games or five games, and they're out of there. So, Phil, start with you. Interesting, upset, and quick out. Well, um, the interesting and the upset technically might be the same series. Cause I think interesting is the, the Boston Brooklyn series, because there's like you said earlier, there's no way Brooklyn should be a seven seed and here they are. And you know, that's going to be a really interesting series and technically could end in a huge upset if Brooklyn comes out on top, but I'll put that as the interesting, the upset, what was the three, five was or three, six. I'm sorry. was Milwaukee, Chicago. I'm going to say the secretly shitty bucks might get upset in, uh, in the first round of the playoffs to defend their, their title. So I'll pick that as the upset. And then the quick out is going to be the Atlanta dumb fucking jerks. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm almost ditto with Phil here. Uh, the interesting one is obviously the Celtics Brooklyn series, the quick out Miami looks really good, like a really complete team. And, if the dumb fucks weren't there, the Cavs might have been the really quick out. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> uh, maybe we'd rather have the draft pick, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. In the upset, I, I don't know if there's an upset out there. I, I don't think the, the Bucks are secretly shitty again. So am I missing any? Well, you series? never have. Yeah. And, yeah. And I'm, I was right. So um, I don't know what the upset is. I don't know if there's one there. It feels right. Feel, ditto exact. Cause it might be that Brooklyn. That could be uh, the Celtics. Upset, yeah. yeah, that, that, yeah. Even though it's not really an upset, yeah. uh, it could be the upset. Yeah. For interesting. I'm with you guys. Boston, Brooklyn is going to be so much fun to watch just because that Boston team is really complete, but Brooklyn's so much fun because KD and Kyrie cannot be stopped by anybody. Boston is like the best defensive team in the East. The Nets piled up points on them today. Uh, so that that's going to be fun. Upset, I believe in the Toronto Raptors, man. I'm not sure I buy that you know, James Harden is going to carry that 76ers team with Joel Embiid to something bigger than the first round. I don't think Tyrese Maxey is scoring 38 again in this series. And that Raptors team has been playing really well for a while and they're big and they're athletic and they can shoot. I think if there's an upset, maybe it's the it's Toronto upsetting the 76ers quick out. I was actually going to go with the Bulls. 
Uh, I don't think the Bulls have been playing that well towards the end of the season. I think Milwaukee's really good. So I think the Bulls are going to be out of there in four or five games. So real quick, let's go through them. Who's winning the, obviously you think the Heat's winning the Heat Atlanta series, right? Yeah. And I'm on the Raptors. So you guys think that Philadelphia is winning that series? I do. Yeah. Philly. Bucks in Chicago. I'm on the Bucks. Bucks. Even though I thought it could be an upset, I'm going with the Bucks. <laughs> it could and be. And I an guess upset. the big one. Who, 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 who takes the Boston Brooklyn series? Wow, man. The way they won today was huge, right? Like, to, had they lost that game to Brooklyn, and it looked like they were going to at yeah. the end. Yeah, it's only one game, but you lose. You lose on your home court to start the series, and you're it's against a team like Brooklyn. That's a that's a tough hole to dig out of uh, potentially, but. Man, I don't know. I, I think Boston wins it. I think Boston wins it. Maybe that's a series they win it because they do have home court advantage. And Kyrie can't stop interacting with the Boston fan base. And that's going to mess yeah. him up in this series, man. Oh, you look that messed up today. Chuck, what do you think? I don't know how much I can add here. Phil's really doing a nice job, but I, I still think it, it's Brooklyn who wins that series. Those guys are just so good. Just KD and you know, like Kyrie, they're so good. And as great as the Celtics have played down the stretch and, and become a much better team, uh, like they should have played all year. Uh, you know, like I don't know what yeah. their problem was earlier in the year. I feel like the Nets probably win that series somehow, some way. But I think it's going to be the best out of probably all the, all the first round matchups. Yeah. All right. Western Conference first series number one Phoenix Suns versus the number eight New Orleans Pelicans. How the hell did that happen? Uh, next one number four Dallas versus number five Utah. Jazz took game one of the series with Luca out. Uh, next one number three Golden State versus number six Denver. Warriors already took game one. Number two Memphis versus number seven Minnesota. Timberwolves took. The first game in that series. So same game. Interesting, upset, and quick out. Um shit. Uh the quick out is probably because I'm watching Phoenix really uh looks like a really good basketball team. Um, so I think that's the quick out. The interesting is gonna be that Timberwolf series, but it also could be the upset. Damn it, man. This is just like the East. I'm I'm overlapping can you run them through real quick one more time again i'm sorry dallas versus utah golden state versus denver memphis versus minnesota these are all really good basketball teams and sometimes fun to watch and dallas actually looked pretty good without luca without their guy but i still think that they're they're not gonna win that series so i don't know where i left off the quick out is phoenix over new orleans the interesting one and probably the upset is that that timberwolves team's you guys were onto something last week. I went the other way, and I was like, "Man, the Timberwolves!" But no, they they're they're yeah. an exciting team. <laughs> they're a good team to watch. Yeah. So, the interesting series. I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna give the same answer for two of these categories again. I don't want to do that. I was gonna say the Dallas Utah series became a lot more interesting because Luca's not playing. So I don't know if they expect him back here before the next game. I think or... so. I don't think they're expecting him to miss much. All right. So he comes back. I think. Let's call that the interesting series anyway, the four or five matchup and Utah has the lead. So it'll be interesting to see when Luca comes back and he, can he pull his, his Mavericks team out of a, a, either a one or two game hole, you know, at that point, the upset, man, I don't know. Well, here, I'll answer this one first. The quick out I think is new Orleans. Like they're going down to Phoenix pretty quickly here. I think that's the quick out the upset. I don't know if we get an upset in the West again, the, the Minnesota Memphis series is could be, but. Over the course of seven games, I got to think Memphis gets their shit together and pulls that off. I'll lean towards that just because Minnesota 
started with a 1-0 lead. Interesting. I'm going with Memphis and Minnesota. Those are both really young, fun teams to watch. And I, I could watch John Moran play basketball anytime. So that's going to be the interesting one. The upset, I think, is Utah. That Jazz team can play. And especially if the Mavericks don't have Luka or he's not at 100%, I think Utah could take them down. Quick out of, of course, is the New Orleans Pelicans. If the NBA would allow it, I think Phoenix could win this best of seven series in three games. That's an unfair matchup for the Pelicans playing without the guy who's supposed to be their best player. I can't believe they're there. Uh, Real quick, obviously, we think the Suns are winning that series. Dallas and Utah. I'm going to go with Utah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'll lean Utah on that one. Golden State, Denver. I guess we got to go with Golden State. Uh, Golden State. Yeah. I don't feel good about it. (laughs) Memphis and Minnesota. I'm going to go with Memphis. Yeah, I think Memphis wins it. I'll go the other way. Just because I was wrong. All right. Well, there you go. Your first round of NBA playoff games are underway. And I don't think any of these series will be resolved by next weekend we record. Maybe uh, maybe the New Orleans Sun series will be. But let's move on from the start of the NBA playoffs to something that's really exciting. The start of the USFL season. <laughs> the first game on Saturday night was a humdinger. Burke's Birmingham Stallions came from behind with a touchdown with 29 seconds left to go to get a win over the New Jersey Generals. My Michigan Panthers lost a game today, close one to the hated Houston Gamblers. Uh, The Philadelphia Stars, Phil Danko's team, played a rivalry game against Miller's New Orleans Breakers, ended with fallen stars and a win for the Breakers. The Pittsburgh Maulers were supposed to play uh, the Tampa Bay Bandits today, but something happened. We don't know. It's not being reported. They're going to play tomorrow night. And that covers the entire slate of games for the week. What did you think of the first weekend of the USFL, Phil? I almost called it the NFL. (laughs) I tuned in for my Philadelphia Stars game today, and I was promptly treated to my kicker doinking field goals off the upright. I'm like, well, this is all too familiar for me with any team that I root for. So I had that sinking feeling thing like, well, leaving a lot of points out there, boys. And sure enough, they couldn't pull it off. So I, you know, and I watched them play in front of maybe six people in the, in the stands, I I guess Saturday's game was a little bit better attended. Easter Sunday is probably not the greatest uh, scheduling uh, for, for professional football, but I don't know. It, it's going to be an interesting season uh, as long as they don't fold. They're I not mean, folding. Fox, yeah. Fox yeah, owns yeah, you're right. part you're, of the league, and and right. they they're running all the same commercials that the NFL had on Fox, yeah. like a, the Modelo commercial with the guy who paints stuff. You know? Right, like, right. You're oh, right. Man, we got to see all this stuff again. <laughs> Are there any Gronk insurance commercials? No Gronk insurance commercials. Yeah, I didn't no. see any of those today <laughs> anyway, but. I don't think the quality of football was was all that bad, to be honest. Like, you know, these guys were it wasn't like you're watching that fourth preseason game even. Right. We're like, geez, like these guys can't even run yeah. the plays, you know, and I guess they've had about three weeks of training camp. So, you know, yeah. they're going to get into it as well. But like the quality of football was OK. I, I got to imagine it's it's probably the best non NFL professional football I've seen, you know, when that's a low bar because that's the XFL and the fan controlled league. <laughs> so, you know, um, man. Uh, Chuck, I know that you were waiting to pop your USFL oh, cherry man. until uh, Pittsburgh uh, played tonight and that game indeed. got moved. But what you will see when you watch that game is there's a lot of sound mic down the field. You can get into and listen to what the coach is saying to the quarterback through the headsets. They interview players on the sidelines like moments after big plays. What do you think about how those little wrinkles or gimmicks, if that's what you want to call them, are going to impact like your viewing experience? I'm all for that. I like 
an all access version of any sports. You know, they, they've become, most sports have become more accessible during game. It's mostly coaches, but I like the fact that they're going to interview a player. And, and there were things, uh, if you remember the first XFL run back in the day, that the NFL adopted once the XFL kind of folded. I'm all for a better experience when it comes to in-game stuff, especially a league that's trying to do something. Like you said, I, I tried to not watch any of it until tonight because I am a uh, the biggest Maulers fan on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> only, for, only for the game to be postponed, but I, I get Monday night football, baby. Yeah. So yeah. I'm yeah. excited for yeah. that. Prime time. First USFL Monday night game in history, I suppose. Probably the only yeah, there's also a, a new uh, helmet cam. And I can't remember where the helmet cam originally came from. Was that NFL Europe or was that an I think, XFL yeah. thing? It might, it might have been NFL Europe. Did you I, see all the anyway. drones flying around? So they had yeah, they got drones, drones everywhere. Yeah. on them. So the angles, there's a lot of like direct vertical angles. So you watch the play from like the sky kind of that was interesting. And I like that you got coaches mic'd up when they argued with the refs because you really. Yeah you could hear the referee's explanation and how the coach would respond. Whereas in the NFL games, that's all that you, all you see is the, the emotional and physical like exchange, right? Like you don't hear any of those words because every other one is, has to be edited. I'm sure. But uh, I thought that was interesting just to get that explanation of like, why the hell did you throw that flag or didn't you throw that flag or whatever? The, the, the ref miking thing is going while the refs are having their huddles too so a flag gets thrown and they all kind of gaggle together and talk about what the penalty is going to be what's going to happen and they're playing that sound for you and so it's really interesting to hear the refs too so i i don't know man what you always lack when it's not the nfl is just the intensity of the stadium and the crowd and the moment every other professional league always kind of seems to be like like a practice or something like that it's, it doesn't feel like a real football game but some of the others and, and that's how i felt about i and i watched bits and pieces of three different usfl games today uh, <laughs> this weekend so i mean I, I that was the sense that i got from the play but i kind of like what they're trying to do to make the broadcast different and more interesting and we'll see if this stuff lasts the season i'm certain the nfl might try to pick up some of it you know whatever works but next week we have another classic usfl rivalry week the battle for pennsylvania next yeah. sunday the pittsburgh maulers nice. travel for a tough road game against the philadelphia stars in alabama <laughs> who you got <laughs> Those stars, come on. <laughs> well, without seeing a snap of my Maulers until tomorrow night, but being the world's largest Maulers fan, <laughs> uh, I have the Maulers next week in Alabama because nothing like a keystone matchup in Alabama. In Alabama. <laughs> That's right. I think the stars well, are going to take advantage of the Maulers uh, short week. They, they weren't prepared for this. They're not yeah. going to know how to bounce yeah. back. Their yeah. practice schedule is all wonky. <laughs> They're screwed. I think that right now we are the foremost podcasting experts on the USFL. We are the first. We are ahead of the curve. Nobody else is breaking down games like this. But looking forward to another week of the USFL. Uh, my wife is going to be out of town next week. So I think I'm probably going to watch all the USFL games. Nothing to stop me. But, fellas, why don't we, from there, take our final break, come back, we'll go off the field, and we'll talk some Easter. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field. Usually our holiday episodes come with 40s, but that didn't really seem right today. Anyway, let's celebrate some Easter. What was your favorite 
Easter tradition when you were a kid? Oh man, uh, you! I was actually because you know, I my mom's a saint. God bless her forever and ever. But I, I was busting her chops today uh, because we we went into Cleveland. My sister and the first thing she does is bring chip and Easter basket. And I look at my sister and I'm like, Hey, do you ever remember? getting an easter basket <laughs> oh, i can't believe you're outing your mom or, on the or show an egg hunt do you ever remember an egg hunt me no. and Ro both agreed like oh so and then my mom you know like oh she, she said no that happened and blah 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 so I, I don't know i mean basically it's probably just going to my grandparents i'm assuming when i was younger uh and eating a bunch of food and that, that was about it because i don't remember any rambaldo egg hunts in the morning oh my gosh chuck i, I feel know. like you this makes me sad, man. I feel like yeah. you've missed out on yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, I think we need on the next trip, we need to have an Easter egg hunt for Chuck Phil. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't color eggs when you were a kid or anything like that? Again, my sister brought that up because somebody had dropped off eggs at her house that were colored and she was freaked out. She's like, We never ate those. I'm like, Well, we never cut did we ever color eggs? And my mom cut me out. Of course you colored it. Like, I think she has the upper hand here because I don't remember being, you know, three. <laughs> so uh, she said we colored eggs, but I don't ever remember doing such. Phil, please tell me your family yeah. did normal stuff. <laughs> this, on is off to a, this is off to this, a really depressing is... start. You should have went to Phil first, <laughs> man. <laughs> no, it's probably better that we finish with me or come to me next because uh, I did Easter stuff and I have uh, some fond memories um, at home. We'd wake up super early and, and hunt for our Easter baskets and they were hidden anywhere you know anywhere in the house in the in the oven in the dishwasher or wherever you know in up shelves that little kids can't see or whatever so we did that to start the day and then eventually we ended up at my grandparents house and they would put together a monster of an of an easter egg hunt just a monster there were more plastic eggs inside and outside their house regardless of weather and for the longest time it was just my sister and i so the two of us, it would take us forever to find all the eggs. And my grandpa knew like, all right, there's, there's 300 of these things out there. So no one's coming inside until we think we have <laughs> 300 plastic eggs recovered. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was, those were the two traditions that I remember growing up and, uh, we've, we've continued both of them with, with my boys as well. So to make up for Chuck, I had, okay. the boys had two Easter egg hunts this morning. <laughs> like, okay, <I'm> all right. <laughs> we're going to get to it, Phil. My favorite one that I remember from being a kid because you know we did this stuff we did easter egg hunts and we hunted for baskets and stuff like that but we colored our own eggs the day before easter and every year my mom who's like an artist and wants things to look nice was really focused on making the prettiest colored eggs she could and all i wanted to do was dunk an egg in every single color that was available <laughs> exactly <laughs> i made a brown egg and every year i was shocked that it turned out brown and not something else <laughs> Like what's going to happen this year when I put the egg in every single color? We always did it outside if we could, the Easter egg hunt part. But the, if it was bad weather, we would do it inside. And mom and dad would go and, you know, hide everything. And Chuck, these are really great memories, man. I, mean, um, I assume they are. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Sounds like it. But good news, because... I'd like to talk about some new traditions you might want to think about adding to your Easter. And since you've got a pretty clean slate right now, Chuck. I do. I'm open for business. Uh, so these are some Easter traditions from around the world. In Ho, France, that's H-A-U-X, the whole town gets together with 4,500 eggs and they cook a huge omelet that feeds the town on Easter Sunday. In New Zealand, they hunt the Easter bunny. They have a tradition to try to protect farmland by hunting invasive rabbits. And on Easter Sunday, as a country, 
they kill about 10,000 rabbits <laughs> for Easter. In the jungles of Papua New Guinea, they decorate an Easter tree with tobacco and they hand out cigarettes at the end of their church service. In the Philippines, <laughs> devout Catholics practice self crucifixion and self-flagellation to rid themselves of sin on Easter Sunday. So Chuck, we'll start with you since you've got this blank slate. Which one of these traditions do you think you want to try to bring to the Rambaldo house in Erie? They're all interesting options here, but I'm going to go with the first one only because, again, I didn't have, at least I don't remember much of an Easter tradition other than going to church and then your grandparents or something. Uh, and even more recently, like I had not eaten an omelet until I was in my 30s. I didn't like omelets. Now I dig omelets. I know. I dig omelets now. So I'm an all awful about, lot about you tonight, man. I am all about the. Is it how many? How big is that omelet? Forty-five. Forty-five hundred eggs. eggs. Oh, forty-five hundred eggs. Not still. forty-five thousand. No, it's like a oh. small town in France. It's not yeah, Paris. I wouldn't. Forty-five hundred eggs is nothing to sneeze at, boys. <laughs> I'm yeah. all about uh, getting my share, fair share of that omelet. So. I think that sounds like a good one here because you shouldn't be hunting. It's a day to celebrate the Easter bunny. Why are you hunting them? Yeah. 10,000 yeah. of them. New Zealand getting crazy. Phil, how about you? Which one of these do you want to add? Or is it just obvious? Yeah, I'm going, I'm going with the giant omelet because my kids are pretty young and I don't want them to partake in the slaughter of 10,000 bunnies, nor do I want them handed a pack of Marlboros after our church, <laughs> church service. Um, and then of course the, th the last one, the self, crucifixion like yeah that's right out so uh let's go with the uh the giant omelet get in on that yeah giant omelet is obviously the best one uh apparently the catholic church is trying to encourage people in the philippines not to do self-crucifixions yeah. for easter that's apparently a frowned move. upon <laughs> one that didn't make the list was uh those cuts in the netherlands they will have women dress up in traditional like dutch garb uh, and then they'll throw buckets of water on them throughout the day. That's a really like strange a one, too. Medieval wet t-shirt um, content? Yeah, like, what is that? <laughs> Something like that, man. I don't know. I don't even know how that survived. Jesus isn't the only thing that's risen in the Netherlands. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. Too far? Funny. Too far. <laughs> too far. Are you too saying far. Jesus Christ can't cook an omelet? <laughs> Oh, we haven't had that joke in a while. I know, it's been a while. <laughs> All right. Well, so I'm going with uh, Ho France omelets too. And I actually looked up the pronunciation of the, the town so I could get that right. Connect Easter a little bit more to sports for us since we are a predominantly a sports show. We're going to do the Easter candy final four. We'll do rankings. We're going to decide Easter candy champion. So your first game, the number one seed Cadbury eggs versus Cinderella 16 seed peeps chuck oh, who wins for me it's peeps i hate <laughs> cadbury eggs i've never liked the thought of chocolate in something runny and gooey inside of it and i've even hated the commercials they've never changed them since we were little kids i am peeps i mean i, I haven't had a peep yet this year and i might because there's some in the house but i would never eat a cadbury egg, ever how the hell did the cadbury egg get the one line <laughs> <laughs> the number one seed. I feel like I don't like either one of these options. That's the problem I'm having right now. <laughs> like, I don't want to eat a peep or a Cadbury egg, but I'll, I'll go. I'll give the edge to the Cadbury egg just because at least there's chocolate there. Okay. I think we're going to put the peeps into the finals because oh, I have the same issues yeah. with Cadbury eggs. Like I yeah. think when I was a kid and I'd see the commercial, my assumption was that the stuff in the middle 
tasted like an egg. Then it was like wrapped in chocolate. And that just yeah. this seemed gross to me when I was a kid. Like I want candy. I don't want an egg wrapped in chocolate. Now I'm not even sure that's true, but because of that, I've never eaten a Cadbury egg. Uh, I don't like peeps either, but Hey, look at this peeps through to the finals. Second semifinal game, number two seed Reese's peanut butter eggs versus mid-major powerhouse five seed jelly belly jelly beans. <laughs> Phil, who you got? Now, these are both very good options. I like them both. Uh, completely different game here. This is the Duke, North Carolina game of this uh, of this uh, championship. I'm going with the Reese's egg, though, because chocolate and peanut butter, that's my jam, man. It's another upset for me. I'm not the biggest chocolate oh. guy. I like jelly beans. I don't know if I love jelly bellies because sometimes like I can remember getting one that was popcorn. That's disgusting. Ooh, the popcorn ones were good. Oh, I like a butter popcorn. Like somebody somebody my vomited in their mouth and then they put it in candy to me at least. Uh, but I do like jelly beans and I think they're a year round treat much like Irish car bombs on are not just for St. Patty's Day. You should do them all year long. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. I'm very adamant about car bombs year round. Yeah. yeah. Uh, car bombs got eliminated from the candy final four <laughs> oh, I'm sometime sorry. in the first round. <laughs> I'm going Reese's. You got to be kidding me. They're, they're, they're the best candy period. Any time of year, especially the eggs, because the eggs I think have more peanut butter than a typical Reese's cup. And I think the peanut butter is what really makes Reese's good. Reese's make the finals against peeps. Chuck, the Cinderella story, and I know the road's going to end here for me for where you guys are at, but I would still like to crown Peeps as my champion, Easter candy champion, knowing I don't even have a puncher's chance. Yeah, Reese's eggs in just a, just running away with that game, I think. Yeah, this is like the first time UNLV played Duke in the finals, and they beat them like 140 to 60 or something like that. Uh, Reese's runs away with this one. It's a great run by Jelly Beans. Chuck, I think you're probably got a shot at coaching a more popular, more powerhouse candy in next year's uh, candy final four. Reese's world champion Easter candy. So more serious note. Uh, I know both of you guys have boys that are like the perfect age for Easter. So, Phil, what was the best part of the day today for you and your boys? First thing this morning, they woke up and there was the hunt. It's a simultaneous egg hunt and Easter basket hunt to start the day. So there's a bunch of eggs hidden around the house and the Easter baskets are hidden as well. So, you know, you stumble upon them eventually kind of thing. Just watching the boys like run around and collect more eggs that they could possibly hold in their little little um, egg bags or baskets or whatever. Uh, and then go through everything that was in the basket was was great. I got some some great pictures of my kids. Uh, and and you guys will like this. Their Easter baskets this year were were baseball bags. So new Excellent. new bags for baseball, and yeah. like the backpack version. So the bats are on the outside, the helmet and ball and mitt on the inside kind of thing. So I was like, all right, I like that. The way to way to secretly yeah. get baseball into this holiday. <laughs> like this is this is pretty good. So seeing them excited for that and just just having a blast in their pajamas running around the house right away to start the day was great. So Chip's a, a little younger than Phil's boy. So this is really kind of his first Easter experience, even though he's been around. I think this would be his third Easter, actually. Whitney came and got me this morning because he started to see eggs. He didn't understand why are there plastic eggs? He's kind of poking around at him and then we kind of give him the basket and he figured it out for himself so the best part about fatherhood is is for me at least so far because he's so young still is is seeing the world through his eyes how excited he's getting for plastic eggs on a windowsill uh and my wife is a genius uh and i assume 
you can only get away with this for like another year, maybe. The only thing inside those eggs were like cracker goldfish, and he freaked out every time he opened them. Yeah, yeah eventually, like, that's not going to fly, right? Yes, I know. Yeah. To start putting money in or something, but he freaked every and like he couldn't shovel those things in his mouth quick enough at like eight o'clock this morning. He was just chowing down on himself. It's cool to see that how excited little kids get about like the most mundane stuff that we take for granted. Yeah, for sure. I will tell you as they approach teenage years, you know, my kids obviously much older than your guys. Um, we always had a big plastic golden egg that we'd put like a 20 in. And that was the kids were running around grabbing eggs. That they knew had candy in them, but everybody had their eyes out looking for that golden egg and for the 20, cause they all wanted the cash when they were, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, that that money really mattered uh, way more than fish or candy at that point for them. Uh, but thanks for sharing fellas. That's awesome. It, it is, this is a fun holiday for kids other than the church part. And so thanks for, for sharing the, the fun you guys had, but let's wrap this up. Winning time. Episode seven comes out this week. Chuck, what are you hoping to see? You know, last episode I watched, watched it almost twice because my wife told me I fell asleep and was snoring during it. So I watched it again. I'm like, I literally missed like one minute. That was it. Uh, so what, what am I hoping for? Uh, Typical less, Whitney overreacting. Yeah, right. We'll cut this part. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping for maybe a little less drama. And the name of the show is Winning Time. Let's get to the fucking winning. Because I, I did appreciate, though, that last episode, he's up against the wall. Sally Field, his mom is starting to have some mental decline issues. Yeah. And you saw that that's his only time he freaks out. Everything else, he's like a snake oil salesman. He can sell anybody anything without any real money. Like you're finding out like he's, he's smoking mirrors through this whole thing. But you saw how that affected him. So I'm hoping let's get to some actual winning. Let, let me see some winning on screen. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a broken record. I'd like to see some of the basketball uh, of winning time. And last episode ended with them trotting on to the floor, you know, with with Westhead as their coach. So maybe maybe we get a little bit more basketball, a little bit more on court drama this next episode. I'm beginning to think this show is not really about basketball at all. (laughs) Yeah, right. So at this point, what I'm hoping is that this character who showed up in the last episode who's giving magic money advice doesn't con him out of a bunch of his money because I don't know that part of magic story. I don't know if that ever happens to him, uh, but I don't want to see it. I don't want that to happen to Magic Johnson. But boys, we're out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning Liz Sheridan who was Mrs. Seinfeld, and Estelle Harris, who was Mrs. Costanza, both passed away within the last two weeks. With that sad news about the passing of the best 90s TV moms, you know why, Mrs. Huxtable. I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. One that seemed an inept. <clears throat> I knew I wasn't going to get this. But came home to lose three games for the Giants. Why don't we take our first bake? <clears throat> Jeez. In the Phil- oh, man, in the <laughs> Philippines. We're going to do the Eastern candy. Eastern candy. Because the um, the Ducks were in Erie um, for the opening series, 
And in the fourth inning of the first game of the season, they pulled out like Bo Naylor and three starters. And I wonder if like they sat him. Oh, wow. It wasn't pitchers like, oh, these guys are, it was starters. I'm like, Like you're getting, you're getting, yeah, yeah, like a massive deal on the table or something. But I heard something. So you think it would have been, it would have been like J Ram, Bo Naylor, who's like the number one catcher in their organization and And more guys. Two other guys, two other stars. You think we're getting Tatis Jr.? That'd have been awesome. Well, well that's been I, I read that the Padres did something similar. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, a bunch of guys got pulled from a game and sat in the middle of a game. Uh, you know, so I wonder yeah. if they were involved in the trade somehow. You know, it, whatever it would yeah. be. Yeah. Where can we get some more information about this? I want to know. I want to well, know whether they. Uh... Now he's going to go to the Hall of Fame as a guardian. He's he's signed with us for life. Yeah. And that's the thing, man, is all everybody who was so, you know, banging the drum that you got to resign them, you got to resign them. The Dolans are shit if they don't resign them. Where are you going to be at in the final yep. year of this contract when he's 36 or 37 years old? Um, and maybe, maybe not quite the same player he is now. Although everybody yeah. keeps playing longer, so maybe he'll be okay. But, but you guarantee I don't know. you have Jose Ramirez throughout his entire prime. Like you've that right. you've you yes. guarantee that because he's not a free agent until 2029. I think yeah. it's him, him, Classe, and, and uh Straw are all free agents in 29. What was the deal per year? What is it like 20 some million? Yeah, well, I don't even it? know. I know it was the most biggest contract in club history, but it was a weird thing. Yeah, was I like don't a think five it was year extension. So he starts so making... he's he starts making real money in like two years, I think. Cause yeah, I think he yeah, had still. this year and next year. Well, right, so like this year and these, next yeah. year he was signed. And then another year after yeah. that. Yeah. Actually, there's a open good, up uh, the wallet though. Right. I mean, come yeah. on. They, Oh yeah. Um, Big time. For, Big for time. straw and straw. for, and there, and there you go. You, you've, um, you've secured some pretty big pieces for a long time. Um, like, yeah. I like this uh, sports track sports track website for, yeah. for contracts it breaks it down yeah that's like a good one per year so yeah he's he's making 22 this year which that must have been something with what they picked up initially because next year it goes down to 14 and then 17 and then 19 and then 21 and then 23 and then 25 so it's like a it seems like a deal for the next three I, I yeah feel like I, he and gave I think them a home right. yeah hometown discount you know i mean crazy seven years 141 mil he was going to get paid way more than that from some team on the yeah. east or west coast you know yeah sorry Gribbs. I, I know you yeah. wanted to start i didn't mean to yeah, yeah. go off well, that way I'm no sorry. that's okay you guys this is all usable stuff. goddamn podcast <laughs> you could put this in there somewhere <laughs> oh yeah for sure yeah I, I i figured this would be a topic that came up at some point um because i do <laughs> People who complain about the way that the Guardians run that team, I think, overlook how many smart decisions they make. Um, like, we read something this week, and I can't even think of all the guys who were involved in it, but the Clevenger trade oh, yeah. just keeps looking better and better. Yeah. God damn, that's great. And so, you know what? Instead of going out and getting a high price free agent, okay, let's spend up spend our money to lock up Jose, which I think is a good move. But I just worry about the length of the contract. Um, but let's lock up Straw, who's playing great. Uh, let's lock up Class A at like a cheap deal, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and these are these are just really smart moves. Um, so stop complaining so much that they don't spend money the way like the Yankees and the Dodgers do. They can't. They never will. Um, they, they've they've remained really. It's a good competitive team for 15 years um, without ever busting the bank because they make these smart moves. Now we can start the show. Now I feel warmed up. <laughs> Who's with me? Now I'm done. Now I'm done. All right. <laughs> a good one, man. <laughs> <laughs> You guys remember Mrs. Seinfeld on Elf? She was the she was the um, yes, like the grandmother in Elf or whatever, yeah. or the neighbor, or the neighbor or something like that. Neighbor, I think yeah, in Elf. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the neighbor. Oh, that's, that's funny. Jeez. Yeah. What was that movie that Ben Stiller was in, where it was based on the life of like one of the writers for Elf? He's like a crazy, permanent like alcoholic, some permanent dark or permanent yes. midnight, something like that. Yeah, permanent yeah, yeah. midnight might have been it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was a chagrin cinema movie. Maybe, like, maybe I'm gonna look it up. Boy, I don't know if I ever saw that at the cinema. Um, but it was like I didn't realize who the I just saw it because it was like a stiller movie and it gotten like good reviews. I didn't realize mm. it was about a writer from Elf until like you see the character yeah. in the show that he's writing for during the movie. Like, okay, this has to be like one of the writers from elf. This is weird looking like alien. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, interesting. I, I had never even heard of that movie. It before. is permanent midnight. Permanent yeah. Midnight. Yeah. Now that was a college movie. 1998. Yeah. See, I should have watched leaving Las Vegas one less time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah watch somebody else be strung out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Chuck, I, I think I text you guys. I rewatched the 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 red band uh, trailer yeah. for the Nick Cage movie that you sent us. Yeah. Unbelievable! Like just the red yeah. band trailer is like, okay, this is going to be the greatest Nick Cage movie of all yeah. time. <laughs> I can't wait. What was the best thing you found at Chagrin Cinema after uh, when you were cleaning the theater? Ah, uh, there was. I never found anything good. Um, I mean, I found like the used condom in a in a popcorn bowl, you know, popcorn bucket thing, more than once. Yeah, better than on the floor, man. I, was, I never, I never found one on the floor. I'm glad of that. Um, Who's banging yeah, in the middle of a movie a... theater? There's like other people right there. <laughs> Come on, no, you know, what? yeah, it depends if you're there the right. So night, you're you're right going movie. to a movie and you're the only two people yep. in there, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're going to a, a movie that's been out for a while, and you're during doing it during the school year on like a Tuesday or Wednesday night or something like that. And there might be there were nights like that that I worked with. Like there were only like eleven people in the yeah, entire so cinema no watching there. movies. Yeah. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah you could true. walk around and bang in theaters if you wanted to. <laughs> Chuck, what Thanks was the for best letting thing me you know. Found? I mean, come uh, on. It wasn't the best. Uh, it was we f- we found a loaded gun. Oh uh, my gosh! In Whoa. Aladdin. In Aladdin. Ooh. And the guy the guy came back for it, and the cops. I think they arrested him because I don't think he had a. I don't remember, but yeah, there's a loaded gun in Aladdin. I remember that one. Oh wow, yeah. no. that's pretty intense, man. Yeah. The best, I mean, loose change was typically the best thing I ever. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I found a dollar. 
(laughs) (laughs) I remember having to, as a policy, take people's cell phones. Mm. Because it was cell phones were so new that, you know, like not everybody had them. And it was such a disruption if one rang during a show. Uh, that our policy was you had to take them away, man. And the only people that had them were fucking like rich dudes yeah, who rich. were not giving them up yeah. for, you know, like 16 or 17 year old nerd <laughs> Jason Gerber yeah. telling them, I'm sorry, sir, you've got to give that to my manager. She'll keep it in the office while you watch your movie. Uh, um, you can come out and check it during the movie if you want. <laughs> Which maybe we could do a whole show about the cinema. Absolutely, yeah. I just I, Phil couldn't Phil didn't figure out that if the theater was empty, you could bang somebody in it. We had to tell him. Give me a break, Danko. <laughs> well, you know, let's let's be honest. I it's not like I just had someone in tow that I could just bang. <laughs> it's true. That's true. We were in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I did go there a lot though to play wiffle ball in the lobby. So that you know, that was fun. I yep. like that a lot. Yeah. The, the lobby wiffle ball in the lobby was good. Funny. Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?